Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to New York. Attention fans, this is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL divisional round, Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. And the matchup that I'm looking forward to most here, football fans, is that NFL. NFC Divisional Playoff Round, Giants and Eagles, NFC East Showdown, winner going to the NFC Championship game. Going to be a fantastic one. There's going to be a lot of fantastic games in the NFL Divisional Round, and DraftKings is giving you unbelievable opportunities to cash in on huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your best friend, your host, your confidant. I can't believe I screwed up the intro already, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as SportsWire Radio. 
the best place to get everything you need to know about your red-hot new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check this episode out and all the episodes that we have here. You know I greatly appreciate it. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and my guest today on this episode is a huge and I mean huge, Buffalo Bills fan, and I'm sure he is just as excited. I'm a Giants fan. We both cannot complain about the fact that both of our teams will be playing this upcoming Saturday and Sunday. With all that going on, DraftKings is giving you unbelievable opportunities to cash in on huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on the action, here's what you do. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and as always, tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind podcast. For the second straight episode, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest joining us. He has been on the podcast several times. He has been a great friend of mine, a huge fan of the podcast, huge supporter. He's also the host of the Raising Hell in NJ podcast, all coming from Dawson Mercer's area of Newfoundland. It is with great pleasure we welcome on Mr. Jake Wakely, Jake, welcome back to the Devil State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, Neil. And how about yourself? Dude, you know, with the way the Devils are playing right now and obviously having, you know, you back on the podcast, man, I am just absolutely uh, ecstatic right now, excited about, you know, how, how everything's going. And uh, I really cannot complain. You know what I mean? Uh, I hear you, man. I, don't, I mean, at the start of the season this year, I don't think uh... – I think everybody was going in with like an open mind and I don't think any of us expected them to start off with a, uh, I'll use it in Jack Hughes terms, a 13 game heater. <laughs> and, you know, there was moments after that, when, like they just kept winning and they were getting the goaltending, which seems to be like something, you know, you and I have discussed in years past. Mm-hmm. It was a massive Achilles heel for the devils, especially last year, but I think they used seven. Yep, but you know, a a young team. They were. It was going to be some ups and downs either way. Um, It was a process, and you know, the more experience they gained, the better they were going to get. But I think um, the emergence of like Jack Hughes last year and Nico took a step. Obviously, Brat took a step forward. Those were the things that we were hoping we were going to see. So you know, we get those positives out of it, and. But I, I think the big key for them here is like they're they're playing as a team. They've learned how to win. Um, they don't they get down a couple goals. They're not like just kind of rolling over like they may have in years past. But uh, the biggest key for me is um, they're they're getting the goaltending, and I think that's the that's the main thing. That's I think that's why they're being very so successful, but also being a young team and their speed, which is giving teams problems as we have seen, especially yeah, on the road. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And, uh, yeah, you know, certainly goaltending has been a big factor at this point in the season. Vitek Vanacek playing really well. Akira Schmidt, you know, for a while there was really, really locking it down. And, you know, to be fair, despite him, you know, splitting his last two games, Mackenzie Blackwood has certainly played better. And hopefully, you know, he can continue to be strong in that when he gets his opportunities and obviously just help out the goaltending 
that much more. And so, yeah, I mean, you're 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 in a really good spot right now, and it's about just continuing to grab the momentum and try to stack up the wins as you now you know continue to go through the month of January, first full month of the new calendar year, 2023, and uh, they're off to a really good start in this month. So, Jake, before we recap the game against the San Jose Sharks, which was an absolute thriller by the New Jersey Devils, I want to ask you two really quick kind of personalish questions. My first question to you is this. What are your overall thoughts as a Buffalo Bills fan going into the divisional round this upcoming week against the defending AFC champion uh, Cincinnati Bengals led by might be the coolest quarterback in the National Football League, and that is Joe Burrow? <clears throat> yeah, so I think uh, for Burrow, um, you know, it's going to be a tough one for the Bills. But, um, you know, Cincinnati's potentially, I think I read they're missing most likely the starting left tackle and Jonah Williams. He's week to week. Uh, you know, I forget how he pronounced his first name, Collins. He's potentially out with an injury. And I think um, Alex uh, – so, yeah, so – Cincinnati's potentially missing three of their starting offensive linemen. And we've seen, even with their improved offensive line, that Joe Burrow takes a lot of sacks. Mm. And, like, that's a that's a massive advantage for Buffalo, especially with their edge rushers. Now, I know, obviously, it, it absolutely sucks that Vaughn Miller is not playing in the playoffs. Like, that's a massive loss. Right. But – I think and you, have, you can't look too far ahead, too. But I think something Buffalo has going for them, like if they, t- if they take care of business on Sunday, um, Micah Hyde is potentially back for the AFC Championship game. And then you get to pair him with Poyer. And, you know, you have Taron Johnson and, you know, Tredavious White, obviously, and Elam playing well now with Dane Jackson being hurt. You know, Russo and those guys have stepped up. Shaq Watson's been well at Oliver. but. You know, I think the big key for Buffalo is going to be, like, Tredavious is going to have to lock down Jamar Chase. Elam's going to have to do his job with T. Higgins. Aaron's going to have to do his job with Tyler Boyd. But, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see, like, the thing that gives me hope for the Bills on defense, as good as Joe Mixon is, they got a, Matt Milano is a stud. Like that guy, he can he will walk up the lanes and you know Tremaine Edmonds and stuff like that. But if you ask me my opinion on a prediction of the game, I normally I would give you one, but I just don't know on this one because like Cincinnati is like Buffalo, like just when they look like they're down and out of it, they've got that switch where they just flick it and all of a sudden it's like okay, it's game on. But this one's either going to come down to who's got the ball last. Or it's going to go to overtime, and obviously we know what happens with the, you know, awful NFL rules in overtime. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, th- I think this would be the one year I wouldn't be afraid. I'm not afraid of Kansas City. I'm not as afraid of Kansas City now that they don't have Tyree Kill, as good as they are. I mean, they got handed the one seed, like, let's be honest. Like, unfortunately, the way it went – but, you know, you're more concerned for your, the, the guy's health, obviously. But 
Kansas City doesn't scare me. I think like Cincinnati's the one team that scares me. They make me more nervous than Kansas City does. Now, if the Bills win Sunday, I think they'll get by the Chiefs. I like that confidence. Now, your, I can yeah, ask you for your Giants. Um, how uh, are you feel the Giants going into uh, going into the weekend? So to kind of, you know, before I answer that, I'll just say really quickly, it's going to be one hell of a matchup between Buffalo and Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. And I think it's great that it is in Buffalo because, as we know, and you definitely, Jake, know how crazy it is, especially at this time of the year, in Buffalo and how passionate these fans are. And, again, with all the adversity that Buffalo as a city and even the Bills as a team have, have gone through this year, I mean, they are battle-tested. And they are going to be ready to go. But don't count on Joe Burrow, man. This this guy, he does not fear anything. He really doesn't. And I think no. it'll be interesting to see how both teams do in the red zone. Because I think that's one of the things that both teams definitely struggle with, especially during the regular season, about you know red zone conversion. So I'm kind of curious to know how teams go about it that way. Now, as far as the Giants are concerned, you know, going into Philadelphia against the hated Eagles, Giants are 0-2 this season against the Eagles. But coming off that dramatic win in Minnesota this past week, beating the Vikings. Um, not really surprised that the Giants won because that was the hot pick. The Giants were motivated. They wanted to change uh, the script from losing a couple weeks ago on a BS 63-yard field goal, which only the Giants lose games like that the last couple of years. But the Eagles' biggest issue is going to be the health of Jalen Hurts. And it's going to be a question of how healthy is he really? How much is he going to be able to do? And I think if the Giants can keep it close going into the fourth, like they've done so much this year, I think they give themselves a very, very good opportunity to pull off an upset. And I think that they are getting hot at the right time. Daniel Jones coming off an unbelievable game in his first career playoff game. Saquon Barkley continuing to look like the Saquon Barkley of old. The offensive line has certainly been improving. And the little-known wide receivers, which, funny enough, one of them is a former Buffalo Bill and Isaiah Hodgins, uh, stepping up when they need to. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a battle. You know, the Giants almost got an upset win in Week 19, you know, when they played their third-string guys and the Giants ended up only losing by six when the Eagles were playing their starters. So that should definitely give the Giants some amount of confidence. And uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting. And as far as prediction, um, honestly and truly, I, I like just like you, Jake, I, I don't know if I could give a prediction because I just – I don't really know where to go with it. I just don't know what – type of game we're really going to see. Are we going to see a low-scoring game? Is it going to be a shootout like we saw between the Giants and Minnesota this past weekend? I don't know. It'll be it'll be really intriguing. I think both teams will get off to a slow start um, to kind of feel each other out. I wouldn't be surprised if Philly got off to a slow start offensively just because they haven't played uh, in two weeks. But I think regardless, it's going to be fun no matter what game you're watching uh, now that we're into the divisional round. Uh, we're getting that much closer to seeing who's going to come out and uh, – being the Super Bowl, and I think I will say this from the Giants' perspective: they get to the NFC Championship game, whoever they play, whether it's Dallas or San Francisco, they're going to have their hands full with a Giants team that could potentially come in after two road victories and beating the number one seed in the NFC. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, don't count out Brian Dable, man. He really, uh, again, another Buffalo guy. Uh, he really, uh, he really knows what he's doing right now as a head coach. I'm really impressed. Yeah, and before we, but you know, before we get going on here about the Devils, uh, I just want to point out, like, like 
John McDermott and Brian Dable, in my opinion, and I guess, you know, despite their record, you you could make a case for Doug Peterson with the Jags because I don't think anybody predicted them to even make the playoffs this year. But Dable, for sure, should be my coach, is my coach of the year. And what he's done for Daniel Jones is – but, I mean, you saw it, too, obviously, with what he did with Josh Allen. And, I mean, they're two different types of quarterbacks. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to say Daniel Jones is the franchise guy just yet. I just want to say, like, let's pump the brakes just a tad. Yep. But I don't want to say that he isn't it either. Because he's definitely showed this year that he can be the guy. And... If you really look at the Giants too and their receiving core, like they don't have a, any big names. <laughs> and you look at their roster, and it's like, okay, they got Saquon Barkley and Lawrence. And then yeah. you're like, okay, well, who's this guy? Okay, well, I don't. But they, it's just Dable's an excellent coach, and uh, Wink Martindale is an excellent coordinator. It's just like they have those small leadership pieces, I think, that have changed the culture there, and which goes obviously a long way as we've seen what it did in Buffalo and now the Giants. And if you ask me, in my opinion, the NFL is better off when teams like the Giants and the Bills are good. It's just it brings more viewers and stuff like that because everybody loves watching the Giants and the Bills. And Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think also you do have to quickly give credit to Mike Kafka as well. His first year as an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's done a fantastic job to the point where even other NFL teams are looking to him as maybe a candidate as a head coach. And he hasn't even finished his first year as an offensive coordinator. Um, Cause I think people see that. And again, I, you know, I said it before the season began, the giants decided to get, you know, Josh Allen's offensive coordinator, Mike Kaf and uh, Patrick Mahomes quarterback coach to be the head coach and OC for Daniel Jones. So it's kind of like putting him in a situation where this is the biggest, um, you know, situation that we could give Dan- Daniel Jones. This is the biggest opportunity we can give him, and let's see what we can do. And I mean, they've done a really good job, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he continues to perform. Obviously, how he does against Philadelphia, and then whenever the season ends for the Giants, what they decide to do long term uh, with Daniel Jones. But I think uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I think regardless of what happens moving forward for the Giants' perspective playing with house money again, not even supposed to be in this position, but here they are. So we shall see ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of football talk for all of you uh, sports fans out there. I know this is a hockey podcast, but I had to ask Jake. And the other question I wanted to quickly, which involves the devils is this, since you are living in Newfoundland and you kind of talked to me about this off the air and I want to, I want my listeners to kind of hear this. Talk to me about the love and admiration that that area has for Newfoundland native and New Jersey Devils forward Dawson Mercer. Yeah, so I live about six and a half hours, I would say, from Bay Roberts, where Dawson Mercer is from, as he's closer to St. John's. So he's up on the East Coast, and I'm on the I'm on the West Coast of Newfoundland. So, but you know, the arena I do security at um, about twenty minutes from my house. You know, I'm doing you know walking around talking to people watching hockey and they see me walk in with my devil stuff on and they're like oh that mercer kid you know he's he's really well i think he's better than new hook i think the devil's got the better player and it's like it's small things like that where it's like like he's just he's he's loved here like 
people follow the devils and they're like as soon as i say i'm a devils fan they're like first name that comes up dawson mercer jack hughes obviously but more jack so these hughes, days. Yep. They, they 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 talk more about dawson mercer and i know i've seen pictures in bay roberts they've got devils logos everywhere pictures of dawson all that kind of stuff but yeah he's uh he's definitely loved here in newfoundland uh, they love their uh they love their locals so that's great, man. I mean, again, it's 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 nice to, you know, continue to build areas where the Devils are watched, they are talked about, you know, loved and everything like that. And having a guy from, you know, an area like that and how many people really adore him and how a whole, you know, Providence seems to really, you know, love this guy, I think is absolutely tremendous. And, you know, again, he has continued to perform. He's had a little bit of a, you know, up and down year so far in, in his sophomore year, but he continues to contribute. I mean, you look at the game against Carolina last week and he came through big time with, you know, the second and, you know, assisted on the third goal and the comeback win against Carolina. And he's he's had some moments and he's continuing to uh, progress. And I think that that's what's great to see. And again, remember that pick that we selected Dawson Mercer with was the pick we got in the Taylor Hall trade. So in, in many ways, it really did work out for the Devils, uh, definitely in the long term. So that is that is really awesome to hear. And uh, shout out to uh, shout out to all of you Dawson Mercer fans out there. Uh, we really do appreciate all of the uh, all the support and love. So, Jake, let's move on to the game on Monday afternoon because again, it was just such a weird game. Monday afternoon, four o'clock game in San Jose against the lonely San Jose Sharks, which for the first time in like twenty plus years, we actually can say that about San Jose and the devils were coming in, looking to try to extend the winning streak to five, uh, looking to try to move to an impressive 10 0 and 0 against the, um, against the Pacific division and continuing to do well on this West coast road trip. And it got off to a really good start. You know, Ryan Graves 29 seconds into the game, one, nothing devils. And then the devils just kind of took their foot off the gas and went nearly the entire first period after that goal, not registering a shot on goal, kind of basically being outplayed. And then, if you remember, they we had the very weird uh, early uh, beginning to the first intermission with the door behind the Sharks' net breaking after a hit uh, by one of the Sharks' players on Boquist. And we had that little interesting moment, I guess. And then this first period continues later on with the Sharks scoring two goals. One of them, as the Devils have normally do, give up. You know, late in the first periods, two to one, San, San Jose. <laughs> we have a little bit of a uh, little bit of um, special guest also joining us here. I think. Um, yeah, my daughter. My, yeah, this is that. Daddy, this is Daddy's friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, that was. That's, that is actually incredibly adorable. So, and I'm going to keep that in the episode so people can hear oh, that. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I really want to keep that in. So, there you go with that. But going back to the game, you know, the Devils couldn't get anything going in the second period. I mean, they, they definitely got better. Uh, then early on, again, just seconds into the third period, a great pass from Palat leads to a Nico Heischer tying goal. And you're thinking, okay, now the Devils are settled. But then Nick Benino scores that impressive kind of Turnaround goal, he just kind of flings it at the net and it gets past Vanacek. I'm sure that's one Vanacek probably should have stopped, but, you know, it didn't, you know, he didn't. And then, you know, you get to like the last 20 seconds of the game and you're looking and you're saying, it doesn't look like it's going to be the devil's, devil's day. It looks like it's going to be a frustrating loss against San Jose. But Jack Hughes off a nice deflection from Eric Carlson 
ties the game with 8.6 seconds to go. Vitek Vanacek, in a pit of excitement, literally falls over the bench. Cannot believe that the Devils have tied it. And the game goes to overtime, and Vanacek was the star of overtime, making several big-time saves, including a two-on-one, and uh, really preventing San Jose from winning the game. And it goes to a shootout, and an unlikely hero, other than Vitek Vanacek, was Tomas Tatar, literally scoring the only goal in the shootout. And a couple of big saves from VTEC, including a sprawling save on the third attempt, shuts the door. And the Devils, with another handful of recent games, a come-from-behind win in San Jose against the Sharks to get themselves to win number 29. They move their winning streak to five in a row. They are now 10-0-0 against the, Western, uh, against the Pacific Division. And, Jake, they made some very interesting history to become the first team in NHL history to sweep the Eastern and Western Canadian road trips and the California road trip. And so what are your overall thoughts after a crazy, strange game that resulted ultimately in a Devils win, despite them really at times not deserving to win the game? Yeah, so first on the sweeping the California trip and the Eastern and Western Canada, I think... If I remember seeing it correctly, the last Devils team to do it was the 2000, 2001 team? Correct. The, te- the, which, uh, the team that went to the finals against Colorado. Correct. Yeah. We won't say what happened, but... No, nope, we will not. That, that, didn't, that uh, didn't happen. No. And anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll start with the Anaheim game. So... Being an hour and a half ahead, uh, the time difference, you know, some of the games start at like 11, 11.30 or midnight. So that's they get a little late, but I I pulled through on that one. I stayed awake, um, came out, um, obviously guns ablaze, and they were up three right. nothing with like the blink of an eye, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's nothing against John Gibson either. And I, I still think John Gibson's a good goalie. I just think he's stuck on a really, really bad team. He is. And, like, you look at Anaheim's roster, too, and they've got some good pieces, and I just don't see how they're th- – I don't understand how this bad. I I think it's the coach. I think it's coaching, yeah. I'd agree. But I think it's coaching. At the, same, at the same time, we know what year it is, and we know what a lot of teams are doing as – Jim Rutherford pointed out, but moving on to LA, I, they got down and then I was like, okay, you know, the devils always seem to struggle in Los Angeles as opposed to like other arenas and I'm in LA or like the two that they kind of struggle with. Yep. And then all they, they bounced back. They, they took the lead and you know, I, I didn't end up making it through that entire game. (laughs) But I, I, I watched it in full again the next day. And, you know, they got into some penalty trouble at, for a bit. But, you know, they, the penalty kill has been excellent this year. The power play has been heating up. And just to hear Mackenzie Blackwood after the game say, Svenchnikov pulled that same move on me in the shootout. And then to say, I made some adjustments and then he saw Fiala do the same thing and to make that save when it was four, two, and it would have made it four, three. Correct. Like those are saves that we wouldn't have seen before in years past from Blackwood. Yep. 
and we're getting those timely saves this year from both goaltenders. So I think that's going a long way, and that gives the team confidence too. Absolutely. And you get, it, saves like that, um, you gain momentum, and it um, gives you a boost of energy, uh, obviously, to finish the game and or during a game. But I think, like, you could see it with Los Angeles too. Like, LA's, like, they're I, – I can't tell with them. I can't, like, I just, like, last year, the year they made the playoffs. interesting team. Definitely yeah, like, they do good, in the, but then they make these moves where it's, like, like, I love Kevin Fiala and stuff, but, like, it's just, it's time to move on from guys like Doughty and Kopitar and even Quick. Like, it's just, quick. It's, run its, it's run its course, and it's just, it's time. But yeah. watching the Sharks, though, like, I don't yeah. think San Jose is as, like, they're bad, but I don't think they're as bad as, you know, people make them out to be. I mean, I know we don't see a lot of Western Conference games. I know you see a lot of Sharks games, too, because you, you cover them a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can chime in on that as well. But, like, San Jose's I would, I would say I would say it's probably Dan Quinn. I, I just don't think yeah. that he's that good of a coach. I think there's a reason that he got fired in New York. I mean, they didn't really get much further with him in their development and I know that Mike Greer is a first-time uh, GM, former Devils uh, assistant coach. Uh, but I, I just I, I think that the Sharks are in a very tough position because they have all these big-time contracts for their veteran players: Carlson, Logan Couture, now Tomas Hurdle, er, um, Mark Edward Vlasic. You know, they're, they're kind of in a really tough spot where it's almost like they're kind of forced to kind of rebuild, but also compete at the same time and. You know, I, I think for them, if they can move guys like Carlson's contract or and even Timo Meyer, who it doesn't sound like he's going to stay in San Jose after this year anyway, I think that that would be better for them to slowly get, like you said, with LA, kind of the same deal. It's like, I think it's time to really try to move some of these guys because, you know, you got to, you got to find a way to get this rebuild off and running. And I mean, shoot. You can find a way to get Connor Bedard in some major luck, like the Devils got with Hughes and Nico. You know, then then you're obviously putting yourself in a good spot. So that's kind of the way I look at San Jose. They're not a they're not terrible, but they're also they are what their record says. I guess the way I would. That's put right. It. Yeah, uh, that's the thing, right? That's the thing in sports. You are what your record says you are, and you know the Devils last year were the what their record says they were. Like they were bad, right? And it's just. And, you know, and I'll be the first one to say when Vanacek was acquired that I was a little skeptical where I was like, okay, like he was with Washington. I mean, right. I could have won games with Washington. And what I, you know, and I mean, you know what I mean? Like just metaphorically speaking, but, yeah, you know, he came in and then he struggled the first couple of games and it was like, oh, okay, here we go again. And then mm. all of a sudden it just, it just clicked. Yep. And, you know, I, I talked with them, um, with Alex and uh, Jim off the air, and we all say the same thing. Vanacek's a great regular season goalie, but he struggled in the playoffs. Can he can he pull it together with the Devils? I I think I hope so. And you know, you see some people giving the Devils really high odds to win the Stanley Cup too, and it's like <laughs> let's let's pump the brakes exactly. on that a little bit. Can we like, can we make the playoffs first, and then we yeah. can. See where we think, because again, the Devils haven't made the playoffs since 1718. 
we're focusing on got to get back in the playoffs, got to show that this rebuild is over and we could take it another step forward. That's really what the expectation should be. Yeah, and they got to, like, this year, they got to do what, keep doing what they're doing. They got to keep their foot on the gas. They got a right. tough opponent, Seattle, and then they got Pittsburgh. But, like, keep keep the foot on the gas. Like, you're in a race here for first place with Carolina, and you want that home ice advantage, obviously. Of course. But it doesn't bother me going into the playoffs if they play on the road, considering how well they've played. We, we we would rather be – I was jokingly saying this on an Instagram Live. We'd rather be the eighth seed and just have no home ice advantage the entire playoffs with the way the team plays on the road. That's right. So, But the thing is, like, they're good this year, but can they do it again next year? Can they keep showing, okay, they, they did it this year. Can they do it again next year? Right. And we know pieces are coming. Luke Hughes is going to be on the team at the end of the season. And right. we don't know what they're going to do at the deadline. And I think, you know, I think Mackenzie Blackwood's tenure in New Jersey is probably coming to a close here at the end of the year or, or not before. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wouldn't be mad if they didn't do anything at the deadline. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be mad if they move their first-round pick for a player. I'm not going to be mad if they keep it. Right. Because they could always use it in the offseason as well when everything's more settled. Yeah, and the thing that also like to consider with that thing, with first-round pick, is you see contenders when they're closing in on like the Stanley Cup, they trade it away. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think it's better to just keep hanging on to them because then you see how once the window closes, they got nothing in return. Right. And I think that's what Tom Fitzgerald wants to do. I think he not only wants this team to obviously compete playoffs, Stanley Cups and all that, but I think he also wants to continuously have the opportunity to make moves. And whether that's via the draft or, you know, trade or free agency, that's what his MO has been since he took over. Yeah, and I'm me personally, like, moves aside, wherever he goes, maybe he resigns there, I don't know. But even if Timo Meyer goes somewhere else at the deadline, I still think he's going to end up with the Devils in the offseason. There's just there's too much there's too much smoke there with how to those, those two guys play at the World Championships. It's just, right. It's too hard to pass up. But we thought Johnny Goudreau was coming. Obviously, he didn't. But I mean, yeah. I'm not even I'm not even mad that he didn't come because he does not look good this year. He doesn't even look happy that he's in. I, I think again, I, you know, I talked about it before numerous times that. This had a lot to more do with he was upset that Philly just didn't have the money to to sign him, and he didn't want to go to New Jersey. He didn't want to go to the Islanders, and at the time, it was the only two teams that had any level of interest, and at one point, it was basically just the Devils, and then Columbus just jumped in at the last minute, and I think it was more of a, you know, just a situation where Goudreau was just relieved that anybody other than the Devils called. So it's like I said to Devils fans before that, just wait till the Devils become a destination spot where people actually want to come and play. That's what Lou did for many years. He made New Jersey a place where people wanted to come and wanted to try to succeed. And you can list all the big names. Doug Gilmore at one point, Dave Andrachuk, you know, Joe Neuendijk at one point, all these different guys he has brought in. And because they've all and they've all wanted to be here because they are they know what New Jersey's all about. And that's what Tom Fitzgerald has brought in. Look at, you know, he got Dougie to come here. He was able to get a really good deal for Andre Pilat. And you look at some of the enticing free agents, you know, potentially David Postonok, 
you have Patrick Kane, you have Timo Meyer, you have other guys like that. And if they see what New Jersey's building and what they have been built it, building and look at the long-term potential that they have, they do become a destination spot in the very, very near future. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, the Devils, is, they're rolling this year, and they've still got $40 million in cap space, and that's without the cap even going up. So they're going to they're gonna be a force to be racked with with cap space in the summer. So, oh, yeah. so that's what I mean. Like, having a good record like they are right now and making the playoffs shows exactly. them as a destination. And Patrick Kane said it perfectly. Um, New Jersey might not make the finals the first year this year, but they could easily make the second or the third round like we did. And then we took that next step a year or two later. Exactly. Uh, he sees similarities in this team as opposed to those Chicago teams, which and is, I mean, I will, I mean, I'll, sure. I'll take if, that all day. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, if we if we have the similar success, you know, three cups in five years, I'm not going to complain one bit. I mean, no, so me <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll be really interesting to see, how the rest of the season goes, you know, I know for myself and I'm sure for you as well, Jake, you know, we constantly take things one day at a time, one game at a time and try to go from there. And, you know, like you mentioned, we got a couple of interesting games. You got Seattle on Thursday. I mean, Seattle, an- another one of the top talking teams in the NHL this year, you know, definitely looks like they're going to make the playoffs in year two. And they're more of a likable expansion team than maybe Vegas was. I think Vegas was liked the first year, and then after that, they have been relatively despised by most of the NHL. Seattle, because they didn't do anything amazing, you know, or you know, ridiculous. I think they're just a fun young team in a really interesting city having this success. I mean, shoot, they're already going to have an outdoor game next New Year's Day. I mean, New Year's Day of two thousand twenty-four, they're going to have an outdoor game. I mean, they're they're definitely a team to watch, and so a battle between two of the younger teams in the NHL, both. In a playoff spot, well in a playoff spot. A lot of excitement there. I wish this game was moved to national TV because I think that this would be a really good game to move it to. Um, And I'm really looking forward to it. And then you said, you know, they come back home Sunday afternoon against Pittsburgh. You know, this is the the Penguins for as long as the Prudential Center has been open, have always had a lot of not success at all. They've had a lot of struggles against the Devils in the Rock. And then you have Vegas next Tuesday at home. So that's going to be another big matchup against the, the first place Vegas Golden Knights. So the, the schedule doesn't get any easier. I know that Paul Bissonnette mentioned it before. They have the fifth or sixth hardest schedule remaining. And this was back when they were playing, um, when they were playing Florida, he mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, the devil's got to find a way to win games like they did against San Jose, like they get into LA and Carolina and even the Rangers where maybe they don't play their best hockey, but good teams find a way to win regardless of the situation. That's right. And, you know, it's, I think this year is, you know, before we, before we go, I think this year is a good example of like, we knew Carolina was going to be good. Yeah. But we knew teams like the Islanders and the Penguins Mm -hmm. and the Flyers and, you know, even the Capitals and, you know, even the Rangers. Like their that window for them was slowly decreasing, mm-hmm. and I didn't think the Rangers. I don't think the Rangers' window was going to last that long anyway, because they've got guys on there. They've got some good players, but like, there's just there's just a pressure there with that big market too, right? Like they've right. mishandled they've mishandled like those kids there, and I mean, I, I 
I'm like you. I think it's absolutely hilarious. But at the same time, it's like, and not like, like I don't even care. Like that's what I mean. Like I posted on posted right. on social media. Like I don't care about this Capo Caco Jack Hughes anymore. Like who cares? Who cares? Right. I said that on like, the I said that on the Rangers Ed podcast that I was on a couple of days ago. I said I said you know I'm not going to get into this whole debate about Jack Hughes Capo Caco or Jack Hughes versus Alexi Lafreniere or anything like that because again. Two teams in very different positions, two different teams in very different situations. And you're talking about a veteran Rangers team with young kids playing on the third and fourth line. They don't really have a chance to develop. Now, the Devils do have some young guys that are not developing that well. I mean, and, and again, it's still early for Zetterlin and Holtz and Nolan Foote and guys like that and Kevin Ball. But you look at the core of the team, it's all guys that we've developed over time. Jack Hughes, Nico Kiescher, Jesper Bratt all these different guys that we have developed over time. And then just adding pieces left and right through free agency and trade and things like that. Um, it's just different. The Rangers are more in the win now mode type of situation and don't have time and don't really put in the time for development while the devils are thinking much more long-term and thinking about developing these players, everybody learning together at the same time and growing as a team, because at the end of the day, that's, what's going to win you playoff games. That's going to, when you Stanley Cups, you know, being a team and everybody finding a role and playing together as one. That's right. And if the playoffs started the day, the Devils would be playing the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. So, and you know the Devils, the games are better. The rivalry is better when both teams are good. It's just, look it the, wasn't look the, at the same. three games that have happened this year between these two teams. Excitement, actually, come from actually, behind wins, electricity. The Rock was literally rocking in that last game a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was a packed crowd and everybody was on their feet all game long. Yeah. So it's just like three, one down three, one going into the third. And then they, like I said, they hit that switch again and right back into it. They, they come back, they won the game. And like Bill Spaulding said, I think that game was a turning point for them going into this last half of the season. And it showed. I, it certainly has showed, you know, especially since we got on the road trip and the comfort behind when against Carolina made a lot of difference. You're starting to see the team get back to where they were in November, where it's not just Jack Hughes, who continues to be very consistent and tremendous, but other guys stepping up. Mercer, Boquist, Graves, Tatar, all these different, Nico as well. Other guys stepping up, Brat, you know, getting back to form. Just everybody finding a role and everybody just pushing themselves to a higher limit to try to win games. And all the Devils can do right now is continue to play good, especially with several of the teams above and also below them struggling right now. Carolina's been in a funk of late. The Rangers have been in a funk of late. The Islanders just coming off a blown 3-0 lead against Washington just a few days ago. So this is a really good opportunity for the Devils, who are playing really well and are hot right now, to get on a roll again, rack up the wins, and obviously you know clinch a playoff spot and just get Devils playoff hockey back. That's right. And, you know, we love seeing the Rock rocking. And, you know, I think the Devils are going to be a team. And I had somebody say this to me earlier. They're going to be a team that nobody's going to want to play. They're a very, they're a very feared team. And, and I don't know the last time the Devils uh, were like that. I don't even know if 2012 you would say the Devils were a feared team. I think they were certainly a team that people respected. But I don't know if they were necessarily feared. This is a team that people look at and say, 
not only do we have to put up with this now, we got to put up with this for the next five, six, seven years because of how young all these guys are. I mean, Jack Hughes is just 21, and he hasn't even reached his peak, and he's doing this type of damage. Nico Kiescher has really developed his game. Jack Jesper Bratt has been phenomenal. And, and, you know, I know he struggled of late, but he's starting to get his groove back. Dougie Hamilton's here long-term. Siegenthaler signed a team-friendly deal to be here, and he's a shutdown defenseman. And, you know, we have young guys waiting in the wings. You know, the potential of Arseny Glitziuk maybe coming to the NHL, you know, next year. You have Luke Hughes, Simone Nemetz. You have all these different guys. And if the Devils still have their draft picks going into this draft, who knows what they could get in one of the deepest draft classes. And, the Devils are not even going to be in a position where they're going to have to worry about getting a Connor Bedard or whoever. That they could still find value because they know how to develop. It's about finding right. the right guys in the system. And I think that's what it's all about. So not only is the present very bright, which is such a relief after the last handful of years, but the future is continuing to be very bright. And again, free agency, trades, this, that, and the other thing. There's with, Even with Space, there's all these opportunities to make this team even better than what it is right now. I agree. So, you know, lot to lot to be excited about now and certainly a lot to be excited as we move on here in this season, a little bit more than halfway through the year. And we'll see if the Devils can get to win number 30 when they take on Seattle on Thursday. Jake, it is it's great, man, to to hear your voice and obviously see you. You guys can't see him, but uh, you know, it's it's great to it's great to hear from you and everything like that. Before I let you go, you know the drill as I do with all my guests. I roll out the red carpet and allow them to let the people, let the listeners know where they can find you and anything you got going on. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so I uh, currently have nothing going on, but uh, obviously the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast has been in a bit of a hiatus for a while now. Um, father time has kind of taken over that, so I haven't had much time to do that podcast. I know uh, Jim Berenger, at Jim Berenger, and I are going to have time and uh, to do that again soon. I think the other special guest may have actually just joined the room again. So Yeah, she did. Hey, hey, can you say go Devils? No? Okay. <laughs> normally, normally, normally she does. Fair enough. You got to start um, but, them young. You got to start them young. Oh, yeah. But. Daddy watching hockey. Yeah, daddy watching hockey. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, this is all oh. staying in the episode. Oh, yeah. You, You're hearing you all of this and nobody oh, – yeah. I don't care. You're enjoying this as much as I am. <laughs> so um, she's actually got her own little Jack Hughes jersey, so. Nice. Very nice to hear. So, but, yeah. So, uh, no, nothing on the go right now, but Jim and I are going to uh, potentially get uh, some Twitter spaces going again or start up our own hey. podcast. Uh, might reach out to you eventually to join in with us and whatnot, yeah. too, if you have free time. Love to. But you can follow me on Twitter at uh, 3019. And I'm always tweeting about the Devils or the Bills for any uh, Bills Mafia fans out there. Um, but most of, my, uh, most of my tweets are about the Devils, especially during the games. I'm, I get about as excited as Neil does when they score. So, <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, you know, Jake, again, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, taking some time out of your – Busy day. I know it's kind of late where you are, man, but uh, thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, you know, like I've said before, we will definitely have you on the podcast again, man. But uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, man. Really appreciate it. 
anytime, buddy. I'm always uh, always happy to come on to your podcast and speak to the fans. And you do an excellent job, as uh, as I mentioned before. So, well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, you know, we'll we'll continue to talk about the Devils both here on the podcast and obviously on social and all that. And uh, we'll see how this. Let's see if we can keep this baby rolling. What do you say? I agree, man. Let's go Devils.